Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Working for Women podcast. My name is Julie Dunlop, and I'm here with another Julie, uh, Julie Kelly, um, here today. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of things. Um, Julie Kelly is a good friend of mine. Um, she's also a cooking instructor, um, a cooking instructor outside of Chicago, and an opinion writer. She is published all over the place, including the Wall Street Journal, National Review, Genetic Literacy Project, and she writes on some really important topics um, that I want to get into today. Um, and I think they're topics that, that parents really care about, particularly moms. Um, you know, IWF works really hard to sort of connect with moms and women and explain to them um, sort of the e- economic uh, impact of some regulations. And I think Julie and I um, can really talk about sort of the call for regulations on certain industries, uh, namely the biotech industry, um, genetic modification of foods, um, and some other issues, and also talk about um, the attacks on uh, biotech scientists, on, on the industry itself, and who is making these attacks and sort of the double standard that we're starting to see in the media that covers these issues. So, Julie, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me, Julie. I'm looking forward to it. You wrote a fantastic piece recently for the Genetic Literacy Project. And for those listeners who don't know about the Genetic Literacy Project, it is a really important website. I really encourage people to, to visit that site and look at the writers there. They, um, they have writers from all walks of life, not just scientists, but concerned moms, um, concerned consumers, and people who can give perspective on, I, you know, I got to say, science issues can be really complicated. I don't have a science degree. I'm a mom, but I'm interested in these issues, and often I write from that perspective. Um, and what I love about Genetic Literacy Project is, is they host a whole, a whole slew of, um, of different writers. Um, you bring a really, I think, interesting perspective because you work in the nutrition field and in the, in, in the cooking field. You work with other chefs. Um, and so I think your perspective is also really important. But if we can talk a little bit about your latest piece where you talk about sort of the double standard we're seeing, uh, we see a lot of criticism of, of public scientists who might um, have communicated with industry, but we're not seeing any coverage of public scientists who might have communications with the organic industry. So maybe if you could tell us a little bit, give us sort of, um, you know, a snapshot of, of what we're seeing in terms of the press beating up on some public scientists for having communications with certain industries and yet other scientists getting a free pass uh, for talking uh, to the organic industry. And also, if you could kind of tell the audience a little bit about how the sort of biotech industry and the GMO industry and the organic industry often find themselves at odds. Um, yes, it's been really illuminating to me uh, to learn all this really just in the past year. And just quickly, uh, my background is really in political consulting before I became a cooking teacher. So my approach to this issue, as you said, I don't have a scientific background either unless you count political science. But I really view this issue as political, and, and it is because there's a lot of ideological um, give and take. And after just my general observation is it's almost coverage, and Julia, as Republicans, we see this, and I'm not trying to politicize it, 
But the organic industry gets a pass in the media for the most part because they're viewed as the good guys. And I've actually seen headlines alluding to this, that the organic industry is the so-called good food guys versus the corporate big food bad guys. So they take the brunt of the bad coverage, big food, conventional food, and organic industry, particularly the executives who are funding and fueling this anti-GMO sentiment, are always given a pass in the media. And I think this really came to light, Julie, as you said, this past, um, it was really this article, September 5th in the New York Times, that exposed these emails that have been um, collected under FOIA by an organic industry-funded organization. I won't give the name. Um, but these emails were targeted towards pro, so-called pro-GMO, but they're plant scientists. This is their field of, of expertise. So they wanted to get emails to see the connection, allegedly, between biotech corporations like Monsanto and these scientists. So they got a lot of emails. They uncovered some rather innocuous ones that the media immediately blew up into a big deal. But right. um, so, And they did touch on a little bit of the organic industry, so-called scientists. There's one in particular. He's not a scientist. He's an economist, but he passes himself off as a scientist. Um, so I waited for quite a few weeks to see if anyone in the media would pick up on the other side of the organic industry. And of course they didn't while there was all kinds of other follow-ups about, uh, and not only the scientists, but professors at Harvard who allegedly had connections with Monsanto. So I wrote my piece based on the emails that, that the New York times had uncovered from this scientist. His name is Charles Benbrook. Um, he has long ties to the organic industry. His program at Washington State University was funded by the organic industry. And wow. um, he he releases so-called studies and papers that are very favorable to the organic industry um, and very critical of anything connected to GMOs. And he's passed off as a scientific expert. Um, now, and so now, that was... Let's, let's unpack this a little Let's back up a little bit. Let's unpack this a little bit more. I think one thing that's really important to, and anybody who listens to um, these podcasts has, has heard me um, talk about this, uh, you know, many, many times about how women are told, and, and again, let's address this. Women are often told, and I say women because look, you know, most, it's mostly the women doing the, sh the food shopping in the family. Absolutely. So, so, mom, right. so moms, moms are told, uh, uh, that, and this is, this is correct, moms are generally told organic is better. Give me a, a quick explanation of why that's not true. It's not true because there's no scientific studies that back up a claim that organic food is um, healthier, that it's more right. nutritious, or that it's safer. And people need to understand the biggest driving um, uh, marketing tactic is that organic doesn't use pesticides. It's really important that the moms out there understand that pesticides are used in organic farming, some of the very same uh, pesticides, as you know, that are used in some of the GMO crops. Um, and so it's really important that women understand that there's no science that backs up that organic is better. It's very important for moms to understand that the fear campaign that is driven by, I'm going to say organic executives. I don't blame farmers. It's their choice. I respect their choice. The industry, the executives cannot make a claim to buy organic based on anything that I just mentioned. So they have to rely on a fear campaign that, um, 
demonizes GMOs because GMOs are not allowed in organic products or food or farming. So they have to rely on the scare tactics to, to encourage moms to buy organic because it's really the only thing that they have. It's the only wedge right. issue they have. And, and Julie, you say there are no scientific studies that claim, that, that, can, that can show, can demonstrate uh, that organic is healthier or more nutritious. However, there are very respected scientific studies. For instance, one just came, one came out last year out of Stanford University, hardly a, you know, community college in the middle of nowhere. I mean, Stanford University is certainly a respected right. institute. Uh, just came mm-hmm. out last year with a study that showed there was zero nutritional difference between organic food and conventionally grown and, you know, GMO food. So, and again, there's very little, I mean, look, we, we kind of, we, we have to be careful here that, that, that there is, or there is GMO food in the marketplace, mainly in processed foods. Um, but again, this study showed that there is absolutely zero nutritional difference. So the message that, that I often write about and I often put forth, and I know you do as well, is that, and, and what you just stated, that it, the, the, the reason that they say that, that, you know, it's bad for you is because it's really the only leg they have to stand up. They said, it's a marketing strategy based on fear, as you said. Um, so, but I think moms need to know the truth and, and that it is calling on them to buy more expensive pro- produce and, and food. Um, often these women have limited resources. There are, you know, we know mm-hmm. that there are a lot of women in this country who live at or under the poverty line. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate that they are again, suggesting that you could harm your child by not buying this more expensive produce. So I think that I wanted to sort of go over that and talk about how the organic industry, and I think you're right, this is not about farmers. This is about the executives that run this program, that run these companies, mm-hmm. um, telling moms that this is a, a superior product or that you're going to, you know, you always hear things like conventional produce is doused in chemicals or, I mean, those things are just complete lies. Um, so you, what you, what's interesting though, is that a lot of these activists now um, who support the organic industry have started sort of these rumor, you know, I mean, they started to sort of try to damage the, um, the reputations of many of these public scientists who work in these industries mm-hmm. um, and who produce the very studies um, that, like I mentioned, like the Stanford study that shows there's no nutritional difference. And so what you have found, um, going back to what you had originally talked about, was there is a public scientist in Benbrook that is receiving funding from the organic industry and then than producing studies that are positive or that say what, you know, that sort of shed a positive light on the organic industry. That, you say, is not being covered in the mainstream media. Is that correct? It, correct. It, it is not being covered in the mainstream media. If you look at, and I am going to call out this guy because um, he's a fear peddler and he is the biggest funder of the anti-GMO movement and the things that he says are dangerous and I find hugely offensive. His name is Gary Hirschberg. He's the Stonyfield chairman. He also is a funder for Just Label It, Conceal or Reveal um, campaign that he hires, you know, these wealthy Hollywood celebrity moms to uh, scare other moms like us about not purchasing GMOs. Um, And it, it does need to be said, though, that GMOs are safe. They've been in our food system for 20 years. Uh, they have tremendous benefits and potential that unfortunately is being sidetracked because of this bad publicity by people who are really seeking to profit from it. So to your That's point, right. I encourage people to go on Genetic Literacy Project and learn more about GMOs and their potential. 
Um, tell us a little. Tell us a little. It, okay. No, go, but before you go on, tell us a little bit about these campaigns. You mentioned a few of them that Hirschberger is, um, is is supporting. If you can tell us a little bit, I think a lot of people. You know, look. You know, we we work in this. We work in uh, to cover this uh, these issues. We you know we read these news stories. Um, we sort of keep track of this stuff. But I think a lot of parents probably don't know, um, and they may have heard in passing, uh, "Ooh, you know, GMOs are spooky," or "Ooh, GMOs are are bad." Um, but there are actual very very well funded activist organizations promoting this this com- these complete lies about um, about the biotech industry. Tell us a little bit about, you've done so much research on them, it's such, such valuable research on them, sort of tracking their movements. Tell us a little bit about the power players. Uh, well, Hirschberg is, is definitely the central player. There's other organic industry executives who are also fueling this. Um, Jeffrey Smith is another one. I'm not as familiar with him as I am with Hirschberg um, because Hirschberg's got lots of money, um, so he can buy this stuff off. But, you know, when you have a man like this go out and, you know, all of us either, if you have a child with special needs, um, as I do, or you have a child who, or you know somebody who whose child has autism or any developmental issues, you know the desperation to find the, the source of it and the remedy for it. When you have multimillionaire food executives going out there and lying to these mothers, suggesting the genetically engineered crops or the pesticides that are used on them that are perfectly safe are causing either miscarriages. Now, now this can be traced. Miscarriages, autism, all the way up through cancer. They are yeah, saying yeah. these things unchallenged in the media, unchallenged right, right. by other people in the food industry because they're too scared to take these people on. And so, and, 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 unchal- and unchallenged by science reporters. I think that's one of the most disappointing things as I have um, covered this. And look, you know, I do have experience, you know, with miscarriages and other things, and it, it truly is despicable. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if you talk to doctors who specialize in autism, if you talk to do- doctors who specialize in miscarriages or, or in, you know, uh, OBGYNs, I mean, look, you know, they, they, they're not the ones saying it. It's these activists, and, it, and it's completely misleading. It, it leads to women feeling guilty. Oh, goodness, did I eat something? Did I do something to my child? Absolutely. Did I, did I cause this? It is, it, it is, also, it yep. is such an anti-woman message as well. I mean, to, to, to lay that kind of guilt on women when there's absolutely no scientific evidence, zero that, that there's any connection. And if you actually talk to the specialists in those areas, they would laugh at you if you suggest that eating a tortilla chip made with GMO corn is somehow connected to a miscarriage or a child with autism. And, and it's really terrible, too, because it distracts from the real remedies. I mean, look, we see a lot of quack science out there. Um, you know, we, we've had a prosecution recently of, a, of, a, of a, 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 some sort of a uh, quack doctor who suggested bleach enemas for for autistic children and um as a as a cure i mean this is really dangerous mm-hmm. stuff and I, and so i think keeping these you know the idea that the organic industry sort of um supports this these kinds of theories that again have no medical backing is is really troubling and i think women should really be aware um of the the tactics employed by by uh by this industry well, look, the bottom line is moms are being used. And if you're a mom yeah. out there and you sincerely want to look into these issues, I urge you to do so. It doesn't take a lot of time. But I will go back to a, there was a withering slate uh, article, uh, and anybody can look that up as well. It, that is a perfect breakdown. It's Will Salatin's article. 
over the summer. And he also says he's looked into that issue for a year. If you, the people who are backing this, especially GMO labeling and anti-GMO, are using you. The moms out there, especially if you have a child with any kind of special needs, physical, developmental, emotional, uh, you are being used by these organic industry executives who are trying to sell their product because, unfortunately, that's really the only wedge that they have. And yeah. in the meantime, they're also demonizing hardworking American farmers. They're demonizing scientists and researchers who are trying to use this technology for really great benefits, not just for crop production, but to fortify food, to cut down on food waste. Um, there's so and many... And a humanitarian. Benefits. There's a humanitarian element to it. There are, are tons of potential genetic modified uh, products out there that have not been deployed because of the activists like Greenpeace, like U.S. Right to Know. Um, there right. is, you know, the, I mean, if, if you're interested, we can't go on in this show, but if, you know, you're interested in, in, in that issue, the humanitarian side, just Google golden rice. I mean, this is a fortified rice that can be used in areas where rice is a staple in the, in, in, um, the community. Um, instead of, you know, deploying a bunch of, you know, doctors to, do, to, to do vaccines or, or do, um, uh, shots of, of, uh, you know, of a certain vitamin, they can actually put it in the rice, um, and grow right. it and, and make that the staple crop. And, and that has been, that has been delayed and, or, and, and, and it's, it's terrible. It's, I mean, millions of children go blind and die every year because of their deficiency in a certain vitamin. And right. so I think, I think people really need to understand that this is, this is, um, it, you know, we might here in America, uh, think that we, we are, you know, oh, it, it's, it, it's easy to, to look for the non-GMO, um, label and isn't that great and feel all self-satisfied and superior. Um, but there are some real, uh, impacts here. Um, and, and they go from, you know, everything from raising prices, um, to actually contributing to, to the death of, and blindness of children. So, um, it's a very, you are, it's a very important I can issue. touch on that. If I can touch on that really quickly, yeah. and that was another driving force of my advocacy is you also have wealthy, I'm going to, celebrity chefs, Tom Colicchio was one. It was one year ago yeah. today. My Wall Street Journal op-ed was published about him that led me into all, all this entire arena. You have wealthy, rich men like Tom Colicchio, Michael Pollan, tell us, tell us who, tell Mark us, tell Bittman. Us who, for, for those people who don't know who Tom Colicchio is, okay, obviously we do, but tell, but tell who is Tom Colicchio? He's the host of, you can to give a little quick bio on him. Yeah, uh, yeah, I hate giving him any more prep, but I will. He's, uh, <laughs> he's a quote-unquote celebrity chef. Um, he owns a bunch of very high-priced restaurants in Manhattan and Las Vegas, and I believe he has one in Miami. Um, he is the host of Top Chef on Bravo. Yeah. He's also the producer. And now he's a full-time food advocate, so he attends, I would guess, maybe once a month some kind of food conference to lecture all of us about what we should be eating according to the world of Tom Colicchio. Right, right. And also, um, but he, and also was, he, pr- he also, he also promotes the sort of nannying type things. I mean, he, he might put a, oh. you know, a, a bone marrow burger on his, on his menu. I, I'm making, I don't know if there's one on his menu, but I'm saying, you know, with, you know, 32 grams of fat, but I'm not supposed to, you know, get a bag of Doritos at the 7-Eleven. I mean, he's, he's sort of very, right. um, he's a little bit Bloombergian in his, um, in his lecturing Americans about, you know, the good, the good and bad foods they should be eating. Um, you know, and of course, if he puts high fat things on his very high priced menu, that's fine. That's, that's fine. But, but we, I guess, you know, the, the, you know, the, the poor people can't, can't, um, can't get a high fat, high fat, uh, snack at, at the Seven Eleven. 
Well, that's one thing, and I, I agree there. What really infuriates me is a guy who charges $260 for a filet <laughs> at a steak at a, a steak restaurant in Las Vegas is talking about golden rice, um, the failure of golden rice trials. He's also um, talking about rooting for um, the destruction of fields of BT brinjal, which is eggplant, yeah. which is a staple crop used in um, um, uh, in poor developing nations. If you want to talk about GMOs in the United States and you're a rich guy like Tom Colicchio, then you leave it here. Don't spread your nonsense and your elitist BS across the border where it really impacts destitute farmers, starving children who are being malnourished, going blind, stunted. You have no business talking about that. That's you're not absolutely educated right. in it. You're not an expert in it. You've probably never been there. You stick to what you know. Don't impact hundreds of millions of, of malnourished children and their parents because you don't like Monsanto. Amen, Julie. Tom Colicchio really is, it's, uh, it's, he's a, I mean, it's, it's absolutely, I mean, when you get down to it, it's, it's so immoral. Um, these, these, like Gwyneth Paltrow, Tom Colicchio, Michael Pollan, yep. Mark Bittman, uh, you know, Marion yep. Nestle, all these people who, who yep. demonize this technology. You know, it's also really amazing. And we can, I, I do, I do want to talk about this at a different, um, on a different podcast, but, you know, genetic modification is also used in the medical field. Every diabetic that injects themselves, you know, to keep their blood sugar at, at normal levels uses a product that is genetically modified. Um, there are okay. other, um, there are other things in the, in the pharmaceutical industry, medicines, and treatments um, that use biotechnology. I mean, are, are, you know, are we going, how far are these anti-biotech industry groups going to go? Um, are they going to now start to, to demonize life-saving drugs? Are we going to have, um, you know, mass death because suddenly uh, diabetic medications are no longer available? I mean, this is, this is what people who are against genetic modification, they need to understand that genetic modification doesn't just happen with corn. Um, and with food stuff, it happens um, right. with me the medical industry as well. And so I think people like us who write about these things and the sort of just absolute illogical uh, arguments coming out of these anti-GMO activists uh, realize that there are some really important questions here. And if you demonize this technology for the agriculture industry, there are some terrible uh, you know, consequences for that. But, but I mean, even more terrifying is, is if, if they scare people away from life-saving medications or prevent further research uh, using that kind of really exciting technology. Um, so I, you know, I, I think that, I think that keeping track of these groups, I really think that, look, you know, um, you know, we can touch on, um, uh, you know, on some of the, the public scientists who have been smeared, um, because of uh, these claims that they are somehow uh, taking money from from the conventional agriculture industry, the pesticide industry, or the genetic mod you know the, the GMO industry, um, but again, nobody is talking about the very clear connection between industry between the organic industry and these scientists. And I really, really appreciate you uh, keeping track of this, exposing this, showing that there is um, there is another side to these issues. I think it's so important. 
Well, thanks. And I would love to give a shout out to John Entine at Genetic Literacy Project, because if it wasn't for that vehicle, the story would not be being told anywhere. You know, I've gotten into it with certain reporters um, and question them. Why are you not covering this side of it? Why are you not doing exactly what you just said, breaking this down? Why are you not cornering a Gary Hirschberg and Tom Colicchio and saying, wait a second, you know, you're making all these claims. You're demonizing this biotechnology. Let's really break this down. Now, okay, answer, answer to the own claims that you're making. No reporter has the guts to do it in the mainstream right. media, because again, they're viewed as the as the good guys. You know, organic is well, good, and you've, anti-GMO yeah. is good, and the other guys are bad. And you you've got also, you know, we we can't forget look this the power of the celebrity endorser. And you have people mm-hmm. like Dr. Oz. You have Gwyneth Paltrow, who has her own website and her own money to make, and she makes an awful lot of money off of um, at, you know, and gets promoted through her website Goop which has been cited many times for furthering some pretty dangerous um, and, frankly, pretty gross <laughs> treatment. Yes, um, I know what and, you're talking about. I know what I'm talking about. It's a, it's a, <laughs> yes, it's a family I do. podcast, so I'm not going to, but let's just say that uh, that it's pretty gross, what she suggests. Yes. And, 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 you know, she definitely promotes this idea. Look, do you think Gwyneth Paltrow, first of all, do you think Gwyneth Paltrow goes to the, the Piggly Wiggly or the Harris Teeter or the, she doesn't even go to Whole Foods. I mean, this, you know, this, People yeah. need to put it in perspective. When you have a celebrity-endorsed product, these celebrity moms have no concept of what it is like to, to, to look at the price in, uh, of food in the grocery store and wait, can I afford that this week? Can, do I, you know, that product too. They have no concept. Mm-hmm. Jessica Alba makes billions, you know, she's making millions of dollars. I don't know how much she's making, but she's making a lot of money off her anti-chemical yeah. makeup and, 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 you know, personal care product line, which I, I, wrote, I wrote about. Um, and, and, you know, th- th- you know, this woman has no concept of, of the average American who really struggles with the price of diapers. Diapers are really expensive yeah. and you go through so many of them. Um, and so I think, right. you know, uh, one thing that you and I both write about is, is trying to encourage women to, to check their sources. Um, yes. look to the science, com- look to the science community, L- talk to your doctors, don't get medical advice from Gwyneth Paltrow and don't get food advice from, <laughs> and, 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 and advice about, you know, important things from Tom Colicchio. Um, these are, these are, these are people who are pretty out to, t- out to lunch, um, and out of touch with, with, uh, with sort of common everyday Americans. They, I, I mean, you, you, you said it perfectly. They are totally out of touch. I've had many arguments with Tom Colicchio about this, um, about healthy food is more expensive. I tweeted to him, I just left Costco. You know, I bought four pounds right. of grapes for $4. And I said, do you even shop at Costco? And he tweeted back, I've heard of Costco. I've heard of Costco. I mean, these are not people who are even, they're even too elite to go to Costco, which you have to have a membership right. for. You know, right. they source like, their ingredients. Yeah. You know, they don't even go oh, grocery shopping. No. They source no, their they ingredients don't. somewhere. And, yeah, and I mean, so you know, and you, they're so out of touch. You think about, you know, uh, women like Robin O'Brien and the Food Babe and, yeah. and other of these these um, these food activists, you know, and they, say, they will say things. Like, I remember Alice Waters years ago on 60 Minutes saying, you know, if you really care, you'll, you know, you'll, 
because uh, Leslie Stahl was interviewing her for 60 Minutes. And again, Alice Waters is this sort of icon of the food industry. She did the sort of California cuisine back in the 70s. And she's a, she's a big promoter of locavore and organic and all that stuff. And she, she um, you know, brought Leslie Stahl to a farmer's market where grapes were something like, you know, astronomical, like $8 a yeah. pound. And Leslie Stahl asked mm-hmm. a very reasonable question, like, you know, look, uh, I, don't, I don't know if uh, most moms are going to want to buy $8 a a pound for, I mean, I certainly wouldn't. And, and, and uh, Alice made this sort of, you know, casting comment about, uh, you know, cause, and I think Leslie Saul said something like, you know, kids need tennis shoes too. And, and, uh, and Alice said, well, you know, if you really care, you'll buy this stuff. You know, look, I mean, I don't think these people understand that, that people do make choices in the real world between tennis shoes and food. I mean, right. if you are living in this country, which we all know has a solid economy, uh, unemployment continues to, you know, be at a, a very high levels. You know, people really do make the choice between medicines, between food, between rent, and between yeah. clothing, they really have to make those trade-offs. And so to tell a mom that you're actually going to harm your child by, by purchasing perfectly healthy and affordable food is the height of, of, of immorality. And yet, these people who often promote that are the ones, uh, you know, sort of portrayed in the media as the ones who really care. Um, but you've got you've got their number and you get it and you, what you, mm-hmm. the writing that you are doing, the writing that you are doing and advising mom is so important. And I'm just a big fan of your writing. So thank you well, so thank much, Julie. Thank you so much. You and I'll just say one thing to the mom. Thank you so much. I don't care if you get your food at Walmart, at Costco, wherever you buy it. If you are able to cook a couple nights a week for your family, it's very hard to do. That's the best thing you could do for yourself. It doesn't matter where you buy it. Um, it's the best thing you could do for yourself, for your family, for your health. Um, so you don't have to listen to all these other fear peddlers. You right. Know, those are just basic choices, basic things that you can do. And, you know, just tune out the rest of this nonsense or at least see what the motives are. From Julie, Julie, had a, Julie Kelly had a great piece. Our guest today, Julie Kelly, had a great piece once where she said something like, you know, look, just eat more fruits and vegetables. Don't worry about what, what it's labeled. And that is the best advice moms can get. Reasonable moms need reasonable advice. And, uh, and you need to really tune out all of this crazy pressure that moms are put under today. Um, I really hope that the listeners today will seek out Julie Kelly's writing. She is everywhere. Genetic Literacy Project is a great source. She's also a National Review, mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal, among many, many others. Um, and I really want to thank all the listeners today for tuning in to the Working for Women podcast. Um, there's lots of other podcasts that we do on a variety of issues. So check us out at IWF.org. And thanks again, Julie, for joining us. Thank you, Julie, so much. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or Stop by IWF.org for similar content.